while I was graduating college, I honestly didn't really want to start a company. Like I didn't want to move forward with what I was doing in the business at all, because I felt like I didn't have traction. I didn't have momentum. I, I just felt like it probably would have been a better idea to just let it go and, and start research. But the thing that really changed my mind fundamentally was my mom. So she has a PhD in physics. She told me, you know, you could get a PhD at any time. Like it's not even a big deal, but you need to make Oculogic successful. You've already committed to this and that's what you have to do. So I was like, okay, she's right. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've done something, I've committed to something. We have a little bit of money investment that I need to go and take and build into something greater. That was truly the motivation. If it wasn't for her saying that, I definitely would be in a different position. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Unpolished MBA podcast. In this episode, I had a conversation with Sharu Thomas, a Georgia Tech researcher turned entrepreneur who made the Forbes 30 under 30 list for 2020. While in college, she came up with a great technology solution to help retailers. And I remember meeting her when she was on campus at Georgia Tech, but at that time she chose to focus on her studies and work on this business on the side. Her technology was so groundbreaking though, she won $100,000 in the startup battle competition in Atlanta, which is one of the largest competitions in the area. As you've just heard, Charu didn't want to go forward with the business after graduating from Georgia Tech, but someone wise and highly respected in her life helped to change her mind. Listen in as Charu shares more about her journey. All right. So Charu, are you an entrepreneur or corporate employee? I'm an entrepreneur, Monique. Thanks for having me. MBA or no MBA? I do not have an MBA. So tell us what your education background is. Um, I have a Bachelor of Science from Georgia, Georgia Tech. And so you said entrepreneur. So tell me a little bit about what you're working on. What's your business? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I run a company called Ox. And at Ox, what we do is we build the tools and processes that retailers need to transform their stores into micro-fulfillment centers. Um, and what I really mean by that is I'm sure... You, like me, are probably indoctrinated into the Amazon mm-hmm. squad is just so compelling. And the way Amazon can get you your packages in such a short period of time is they have these e-commerce distribution centers all across the U.S. Now, the big challenge is that retailers, in order to truly compete with that level of service, have to rebuild their entire supply chain infrastructure from the ground up. Because if you think about it, their distribution centers are built to replenish pallets and cases to the store. They're not built to ship directly individual items to end consumers. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the underlying infrastructure challenge that they have. What we kind of propose is that instead of rebuilding their entire supply chain infrastructure to fulfill e-commerce orders, they could actually leverage their stores as micro-fulfillment centers because they have greater access and greater touch points to the end consumer. But the challenge is obviously stores have existed for hundreds of years. And you and I that go into a store, we actually spend as much time as possible in the store for impulse Mm -hmm. buys. So there's these competing, you know, requirements that are changing what it really is to be a store. And we essentially build the technology that enables that seamless transition to fulfillment um, through stores. And it can actually be up to 90% cheaper to fulfill from stores than even e-commerce distribution centers built for that purpose. 
So when you're, I'm going to break it down for the audience that is not necessarily familiar with all of the e-commerce terms or even terms like fulfillment, you know, they're like, huh, what's that? So basically I order something, I'll just use Walmart for an example. So I've been one of those folks who have used the app to order groceries and things before it became we had we were in a pandemic, right? So I enjoyed the convenience of, you know, putting in the app what I need and then backing my car up to the back door and then bringing my items to the car. So is your technology involved in that process behind the scenes for them? Yeah, that's exactly right, Monique. So that's like the curbside pickup, buy online pickup and store process. And uh-huh. our technology is directly involved in that fulfillment process. So we build the tools that you know, the store employees can use to go find the items in the most efficient way possible. Mm -hmm. So I've had the pleasure of seeing a video of the way your technology works, like with someone using it. Of course, a short video, you didn't give us all the details on YouTube. So I'm wondering, so I, I know that was like when you were first getting started and how long have you been in business now? So actually we were incorporated in 2017, but I like to think of our true starting date in January, 2019, because that's when I started full time. So since then, I I mean, so much happens in such a short amount of time as as a startup. Wait a minute. You just mentioned that 2019 is when you started doing it full time. So what were you doing in between that timeframe of when you first had the concept and I guess your prototype into then doing it full time? What were you doing in, in between that gap there? Yeah. So actually, during that time, I was doing research at Georgia Tech. I was still in college. And so I was getting my bachelor's in industrial engineering from Georgia Tech's number one ranked program. And while I was there, I also did a lot of research with the inventor of Google Glass and published that work internationally. We won best paper, actually. Um, And it was a really awesome experience. I was building a lot of technology, understanding hardware, software, and just all all the space there and was able to leverage that knowledge when I started full-time to build the actual product or the, the mm-hmm. first elements of the product. Oh, uh, you know what? That's really awesome because one of the things that most people don't think is possible is to you know create something while they're in college and then actually continue on and create a full company out of it um, afterwards. So that's something that you've managed to pull off, which is rare. And you are an anomaly. What do you think made it different for you? Um, what gave you the courage to be like, oh, you know what? Let me continue on in this journey. Wow. Yeah, Monique, that's actually a really deep question because when I was graduating college, I was you know, kind of weighing the options, right? Like I was thinking, should I be a researcher or an entrepreneur? I even wrote about that summer and had spent months and months thinking about what the right choice would be. Basically, the conclusion I came to was that I, you know, I really loved being a researcher. I liked inventing new things. But I was really frustrated by the fact that I spent six months working on a paper and published it, built the technology, you know, did a user study, whatever. Um, and three people would read the paper. It was just so frustrating mm-hmm. for me because I felt like I spent so much time and poured all my heart and soul into it. Mm-hmm. And no one really cared. And what really drew me to the idea of entrepreneurship was that idea of impact. You know, I could build something that actually helped a lot of people in their day-to-day lives. And that's kind of what drove me to entrepreneurship. But that being said, I, I'm not what I would say a quintessential entrepreneur in any way, shape or form. So it was really uncomfortable to me. And while I was graduating college and kind of weighing the two options, I honestly didn't really want to start a company. Like I didn't want to move forward with what I was doing in the business at all, because I felt like I didn't have traction. I didn't have momentum. I, I just 
felt like, you know, it probably would have been a better idea to just let it go and, and start research. But the thing that really changed my mind fundamentally was my mom. So hmm. I remember this conversation so, <laughs> so deeply because it, it was like one of those pivotal moments that I, you know, I didn't know it at the time, obviously, but is one of those pivotal moments. But um, she told me, she said she has a PhD in physics. She told me, you know, you could get a PhD at any time. Like it's not even a big deal, but you need to make archaeologic successful. You've already committed to this and that's what you have to do. So I mean, I took that to heart. I was like, okay, she's right. Like I've mm-hmm. I've done something, I've committed to something. We have a little bit of money investment that I need to go and take and build into something greater. So that was truly the motivation. If it wasn't for her saying that, I definitely would be in a different position today. Wow. You just mentioned something that I am so passionate about when it comes to like representation and having people that you know or respect or love be an example for what's possible. And you're definitely, you know, blessed, I I would say, to have that person be your mom, who also is a, you know, woman in STEM. And, you know, my kids, they're they're still younger. They don't appreciate that about me now. But hopefully, I'm hoping one day they may sound like you. But that is so awesome. I, I definitely like I'm giving virtual hugs to your mom because, you know, she's done an incredible job by just even encouraging you to keep going forward. Thank you, Monique. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that because she's genuinely the smartest person in the world in my eyes and, and is someone I look up to quite a bit. Like, I, I think that I aspire to be like her every single day. So it means a lot to say that. Wow. <laughs> that from you. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I, I love it. I love it. So, you know, you say, you, well, I'm not the quintessential entrepreneur. You know, no one has it all figured out, right? Everyone is figuring out as they go along. And I guess the longer you're in it, you realize that to be true. But when you first get started, it can be a little bit intimidating, right? Because it seems like everybody else knows so much more. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Like for me personally, I always saw myself as an academic type, honestly. Like I wanted to be a mathematician and economist when I was growing up um, in high school. And it's just so surprising that I'm on this path, especially after getting involved in research, because that would have been just the almost natural next step for me. I was comfortable in research. I was, I was, I think I was a pretty good researcher too, to be honest. Um, but, and, and I had incredible mentors to thank for teaching me how to do good research. But again, like I said, I was, I was drawn to the impact of entrepreneurship that I, I don't think you can really see the yep. same impact in, in research, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe I'll take that back. I think you can see that, but it's just such so much longer of a time frame, typically. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you could do research that truly changes the world for decades and decades to come. But I guess I'm a little bit impatient and I, <laughs> I would want to see the change in less than a decade. <laughs> that desire to solve problems, to have some immediate impact, to also like make things happen uh, as far as solving a problem that, that you see right now. Like those are several characteristics of entrepreneurs. And, you know, quite often we get a bad name for having ADHD and all those different <laughs> things, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> we yeah. make things happen. For sure. For sure. Movers and shakers. I appreciate that. (laughs) So you you mentioned that previously the company was called Oculogics and now it's called Op. Oculogics is a name that I came up with and I'll I'll give you kind of the the background on where it came from. So 
Archaeologics means, you know, ocu, which was like eyesight, because originally we were focused on vision, pictovision technology, basically. Mm-hmm. And over in logics was supposed to be a reference to logistics, first of all. And second of all, like the log of X function, because, you know, I wanted to be a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reference there. And plus it had a domain name that was available. There was no trademarks on it. And so, oh man, I know that trap, Charu. I know that trap. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know, it, especially with the whole domain name. You right? Oh, this is this is what's available. So I'll name it this, and so everything could be consistent, even if the name isn't the best. Like I've I've been yeah. there. I, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you could, you could, you know, you could see the pitfall coming basically. But yeah, I mean, we, we were called that for maybe, we were called archaeologists for probably like three or four years total, right? So, mm-hmm. but it still didn't really catch on. Like even, even our customers that we've known for years and years still misspell it. There's an I in it, Oculus. Like mm-hmm. there were so many issues. So we were like, okay, you know what? We were raising around and that was happening. And so we wanted to align like the renaming and, the round coming out pretty closely. And so we announced those about a month or two between each other. So it's a stronger brand. We have a cool logo now. And yeah. I mean, I'm pretty thrilled about it. Like our team did a fantastic job. Well, just in case people, because I mentioned the cool YouTube video from when you first started out with the optical technology, they'll probably look up Oculogics <laughs> and, you know, and see a lot of different things online relative to that because you won um, you know, some startup competitions and things like that. And so your your name is is pretty much out there. Oh, yeah, that that is true. That is true. Yeah. So we do a lot of backlinking, I guess. I, I mean, I'm not the expert on it, to be honest. But <laughs> what do you think your strength is within your company? Because uh, you and I, I can level with you. You and I are, are both engineers. So I understand for, for myself how I can be a little quirky um, <laughs> in, in ways that uh, some people don't necessarily understand because I'm constantly problem solving. Like that's the way I'm designed. So, you know, the way I may run a company may be different than someone who has more of a creative background, right? And so I'm wondering, but that's my superpower. So what is your superpower in your company? I would say maybe it's, I think it's between two things. And I think they're both pretty important, but maybe there's like one word to describe both of them. One is I think the energy. I think that that's fundamental that you need to be an entrepreneur. Like you need to have that optimism and that excitement and that energy. And I think it's been really helpful because Whenever you're building a team, that's what people are super drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And, you know, I, I think that's one of my biggest strengths personally. But another one that I think is really important too is the ability to anticipate need. I'm not sure exactly what to call that. I mean, I don't think empathy is exactly correct in like describing it, but it's it's more like the ability to be able to envision what the obvious logical uh, approach is, even if it doesn't exist today. And I think that that's probably coming from like the research background, you know, yeah. where, you know, we were literally forced to do that mm-hmm. for years. And so that, that, I think that created my, or, you know, pushed my brain in that way where, it's, it's been super useful now. <laughs> uh, you, you definitely describe yourself accurately when it comes to the energy you bring to a room. So I can only imagine where, when it's within your company, how that can be contagious. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Monique. That means the absolute world to me. So <laughs> I, what, what I will say is, I mean, I do, definitely think it's a big part of our culture, but um, in addition to that, 
we have so many incredible people who've contributed their own, you know, slivers of themselves to our culture, which I think is super important. So like one thing that I really admire that we do every single day is we ask each other, did we wake up excited? And that comes from one of my teammates, Tanner, who his personal philosophy is you need to wake up five out of seven days excited. And I think that that is such a powerful it is so tell me how big your team is now are 13 people and where are you located we are based in bentonville arkansas you were in atlanta georgia tech and now you're in arkansas how did that transition happen yeah so i originally came to northwest arkansas to be a part of a walmart backed startup accelerator called fuel and it was here that i meant met a ton of community leaders, mentors, business leaders throughout the ecosystem. And I was very well plugged in and connected to the, the ecosystem. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, it's a, it's a really great community. And I'm from Atlanta and, and my heart, you know, obviously there's a huge part of me that's still an Atlanta. My family still lives there. I, I come back as much as I possibly can. And Atlanta still has a huge chunk of my heart. But Northwest Arkansas also has a lot to offer. And it's it's kind of almost a small town, but mm-hmm. it's incredibly vibrant. It's growing incredibly quickly. It's beautiful. There's really great art here too mm-hmm. and mountain biking trails. So the quality of life is phenomenal. And sounds like a great place to live. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's 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 a place that is very unexpected. Um, I, I I suppose, but I was really really impressed when I got here. So, and I know, like you mentioned, the Walmart innovation takes place there, and Walmart has a presence there. Did they create that kind of you know domino effect with setting up shop there, and then it kind of attracted other things? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think Walmart. So there's three Fortune 500s within the Northwest Arkansas ecosystem. It's Tyson Foods, JB Hunt, and Walmart. And I think by locating in this area, they essentially created their own economy because Walmart requires a lot of vendors to have offices here, which means that some of the biggest companies that supply to Walmart directly have offices and presences here. So NCR and Zebra and General Mills and Tata, you know, like so many different big companies ended up moving here because or at least having a location here because mm-hmm. they were required to, which I think create, created that economic flywheel, basically. And I'm sure there's, you know, incentives by the, the state that helped make Walmart comfortable with setting up shop there. And then it's kind of like this, you know, like domino effect. And that's, wow. I'm, I'm so glad we, we brought that up during this episode because a lot of people don't realize how ecosystems, like if you're intentional, you can build ecosystems out like that. And oh. a lot of people win. Oh yeah, no, it's huge. It's huge. It's pretty cool. Well, that's it. So what did you think? Charu is a ball of positive energy and a force in the tech startup world. She had other options and paths to pursue, but as you can see, she decided to bet on herself. And in the beginning, it's tough when things aren't moving as fast as you want them or expect them to, but that's really just part of the journey. And I'm so glad that she hung in there and is now building an incredible company serving large industry leaders like Walmart and Google. One thing that I hope you learned from this episode is that you can be innovative at any age and it's really up to you how far you want to take it. Also, I hope that her experience with picking up and moving to a new state to give her business the greatest chance for success 
encourages you to know that moving outside of your comfort zone is sometimes literally moving. And it's required in more ways than one. And don't be surprised when you find unexpected beauty, experiences, and joy in your new location. Charu is actually quite active on LinkedIn, and her company Ox can be found at getox.com. Thank you for listening to the Unpolished MBA podcast. To hear more episodes or to request to become a guest, please visit unpolishedmba.com.